You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min, sponsored for the time being by our good friends over at Pro Prep. I'm your host, Harry Simiu, as always. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing Arsenal's plans to bring in a new striker. We're going to be discussing the impact that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's ongoing disciplinary issues have had on Arsenal's plans to bring in a striker. And we're going to be talking about the Premier League's decision to continue ploughing through the festive fixture list despite the rise in Omicron cases here in the UK. So uh, quite a bit to get through, as always. A big hello to those of you joining us in the live chat as well. Hope you guys are good. I uh, hope you're all keeping well. Um, let's start off then with Arsenal's striker plans. Because for a long time, I think we've all recognised, understood, realised that Arsenal probably do need to upgrade in the centre-forward area. I think most of us went into this season mindful of the fact that Lacazette was going into the last year of his contract, that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang hadn't been at his best last season and that perhaps it was time to begin planning for life after him, despite giving him such a huge contract. So I think for me, um, this is something that we were always going to have to deal with. But according to some reports and according specifically to our friends over at Football.London, Arsenal's plans to bring a forward have, and I quote, been accelerated uh, due to the fact that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang now finds himself cast out in the cold. And I think this makes sense. My only question mark and my only reservation about this is, are Arsenal as a football club going to be able to or willing to pump in the kind of cash injection that is needed mid-season in January to get the calibre of striker that we as fans all want. And we'll come on to talk about some of the names linked in a moment, but my gut feel is that always in January, clubs are a little bit more reserved and a little bit kind of reluctant to spend big, big money. I think that the biggest deals tend to go through in the summer. Now, of course, there's anomalies to that and there's, you know, cases where that hasn't been the case. But I think as a general rule of thumb, it tends to be in the summer where clubs spend the most. You'd like to think that if Arsenal were back in Europe uh, come the summer or, or back in, in, in a European place ahead of the new season, that that would give Arsenal a cash injection or the knowledge of a, a, a bit of money coming in would then increase the transfer budget and hopefully increase our chances of bringing in a top, top quality player. But for me, I find it hard to believe personally, and this is just my personal opinion, that Arsenal would go out and break the bank in January to bring in a, and I'll just mention some of the players linked, Lautaro Martinez, Dusan Vlavic, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It feels to me like those would be a step too far for a January transfer window. Does what's happened with Aubameyang accelerate those plans? Probably, but it doesn't really help us from a fiscal perspective. It doesn't help us from a monetary perspective because we can't, unless somebody wants to come and take him, we can't get Aubameyang off the books. And, and Aubameyang is a big resource drainer on this Arsenal side. And that's that's fact, you know. 
very, very difficult to navigate away from that and navigate around that, given the current circumstances. Add to that, that although the Premier League have voted today to continue through the festive period, despite the ongoing health crisis, and we'll come on to talk about that decision in a bit, we're in a place where, as clubs, there must be some concern about the financial uncertainty off the back of what might happen in the coming months, right? Because we've been here before. We've been at a point where the Premier League was urged to stop. We got to a point where it did have to stop. We then got to a point where it returned, but it returned behind closed doors. Then it returned at limited capacities in the stadiums. But what that all does is drain the resources of football clubs and it has a financial impact on football clubs. So if you were a smart businessman, and let's be honest, that's what these people are. They're not football people. They're business people. If you are a smart businessman and you look ahead in your crystal ball and you think there's even a chance that the Premier League will return to being played behind closed doors, which according to some journalists this afternoon, Henry Winter in particular, this is a real, real possibility. Are you going to want to break the bank and spend huge amounts of money in January, knowing that you might lose a big source of your income in the coming months? I'm not sure. And that's why, along with a number of other factors, I feel like Arsenal, although the report says are going to accelerate those plans. I'm not sure that we will see anything significant or anything major happen in January. Now, I touched on some of the players that we've been linked with. Lautaro Martinez, a player that we were heavily linked with last summer. No deal materialised. Lautaro Martinez said to be happy at Inter. If I'm not mistaken, um, let me just check this out because he. I just want to have a look at the contract situation. Um because, hold on, Lautaro Martinez signs new Inter. Did he sign one recently or is he at least in talks? Yeah, he has. He signed one. 28th of October. I was right. My gut was right. Um, so it was officially announced uh, earlier this year, October, back end of October. So not long ago at all. That Lautaro Martinez has signed a contract extension, which will keep him with the Nerazzurri until June 2026. So, if we are indeed still interested in Lautaro Martinez, then the price has just gone up. The price is skyrocketing off of the back of him signing that new contract. Dusan Vlavic is a player that I really, really admire. He's scoring goals constantly in Serie A, constantly a threat. Fiorentina are enjoying a very, very good season. That's largely down to the impact that Dusan Vlavic, among others, is having. I think he's brilliant. I think he's someone who's clearly looking for a bigger move. He's refused to sign a new contract with Fiorentina. And depending on what, what you read and depending on where you get your news, it's said that Dusan Vlavic would prefer to stay in Italy, which means that Arsenal would have a real battle on their hands in bringing him over. Because first of all, you have to persuade him that the Premier League is the place for him. You have to persuade him that Arsenal is the club within the Premier League that is the place for him. Because he is not quite there yet. He's not Haaland levels in terms of the kind of reputation, but he's on his way to that, Dusan Vlavic. You know, Haaland was very, very good and he was doing it in the Austrian league and people were kind of starting to stand up and take notice of him. And then he went to Germany and he continued that and, and got better. And then people's opinion of him naturally rose because the, the more competitive the league in which you're doing it, the higher your reputation is and, and the better your reputation will be. So for me, I think that Dusan Vlavic is someone who's on that upward trajectory 
And although he's probably attainable for a club like Arsenal now, he might not be in two or three seasons' time. So if he is the man that Mikel Arteta, Arsenal, Edu, identify as the one to lead the line for Arsenal for many years to come, it feels like it's kind of now or never. And can Arsenal, despite all the financial worries I've just talked about, find a way of financing that deal in January and getting ahead of everybody when some of the other clubs, including the big Italian clubs who he's rumoured to want to join, while they've got their hands tied behind their backs and they're scared and worried about what the impacts of another potential lockdown might do, is this a chance for Arsenal to steal in? It feels to me like it's a kind of now or never situation with Vlavic. It's January or probably never. You Maybe we'd be lucky and we could get that deal done in the summer. But I think in the summer... If indeed the football does continue, and we know in other countries that there's not as much of an issue with the new COVID variant. So those games, leagues, competitions are likely to continue. But if we do have an issue in the Premier League, are we being smart by taking a bit of a financial gamble, but essentially getting ahead of the game with somebody of uh, Dusan Vlavic's quality. Then we're linked with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You know, Everton man uh, fits the bill in terms of the type of striker that many of us believe that Mikel Arteta is looking for. Premier League proven, which I know is a big thing to a lot of people. But Dominic Calvert-Lewin, my big reservation now is about this injury that he's currently sidelined with. And I think what I've read and, and what I've understood is that Arsenal are reluctant to uh, invest or, or pursue this interest or, or turn it into something more serious without understanding how he's going to recover from that injury. So there's so, so much um, sort of going on and, and so much behind the scenes. You know, you've got Eddie Nketiah at the club, somebody that Mikel Arteta has recently gone on record as saying he wants to keep so what happens there? Because ultimately, if you want to keep him, you've got to guarantee him more game time than he's currently getting. That's the sticking point between the club and player at the moment. How do you do that if you then go and sign another striker? How big a role are you hoping to give him? Following Balogun's in the background too. There's a lot to, to kind of process in this striker situation. And, and I feel like it's a far more complex one than people feel. Because it's one that can surprises of... What's going to happen with Aubameyang? What's going to happen with Enketia? What's going to happen with Lacazette, who some people are suggesting may get offered a short-term deal? All of that, plus what might happen financially over the next few months, feeds into this massive kind of complex situation that Arsenal find themselves in with regards to signing the new striker. So there's lots and lots to, to process here. We've also been linked with Manchester United's Mason Greenwood. Not in a million years do I believe that Manchester United would sell Mason Greenwood, let alone to Arsenal. He's a wonderful talent, a wonderful prospect. And I think whoever takes the job at Manchester United on a longer term basis will recognise that and will certainly bring him into part of his plans. So look, going back to the strikers we're linked with, I, I like Lautaro Martinez. I like Dusan Vlavic. I like Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I just don't know that they are players that are attainable, A, in January. Bless me. Uh, a, in January. And B, players that we can afford. You know, when you're talking about Lautaro and Dusan Vlavic, can we afford those two guys based on what their asking prices will be? We know that Vlavic is asking prices way up in the gods of 
80, 90 million pounds. We know that Lautaro Martinez's would be pretty similar as well, because of course he has just signed that new contract. So yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, interesting to see how this is going to go. Let's take some of your comments from the chat box. Um, Guna GEE says, uh, but the current climate, I beg your pardon. I've got the sneezes. Uh, Guna G says, uh, but the current climate can provide bargains. It can indeed. It can. But there's a balance, isn't there, between finding a bargain or a deal that you feel is like, must take this, must take it now. Can't possibly let this pass me by. And then making sure that you don't overexpose yourself financially. So that balance needs to be found. Right. And I think the current climate, as you say, can provide bargains. It also gives you a chance if you do have money to get ahead of people in the game. You know, clubs like Juventus, prime example, Juventus, clearly need a lot of work, clearly need a rebuild. Clearly, as the Serie A big boys, regardless of the, where they find themselves in the league right now, they've dominated Italian football for the best part of the last decade. They will fancy their chances of signing Dusan Vlavic. But can they today cough up the money to do it? No. So this is where... The Premier League clubs who have a much stronger financial base and much stronger financial power need to use that, you know, need to bully essentially teams into, into selling their players to them. Now, I don't like the idea of the Premier League being so much more financially powerful than every other league. I, I hate that. I'm a massive believer in equality in football. And, and it's a real shame when you think that Serie A, for example, was one of the most powerful leagues in the world for a long, long time and is now so far behind financially, the Premier League. But that's the current situation. And so if the Premier League is going to be superior financially, I want Arsenal, my club, to take advantage of that to, to achieve what they need to achieve. Let's see what else we've got. Um, Izzy says, Che Adams for me. He's a 3.0 version of Lacazette. Tony is too slow and has slow feet. Vlavic is unproven and Dominic Calvert-Lewin is injured too often. Lots to unpack in that comment, mate. Uh, Jay Adams, not one for me. Not what I'd be looking at. Um, I've got to be honest. I think he's a decent player, but he's not, not what I'd be looking at. Uh, Tony, I'm not a fan of either. I think he's massively overrated. And I think he's, in comparison to the way people were talking about him, um, you know, at the uh, at the start of the season, I think he's he's massively um, underachieved. Vlavic, I don't think you can say he's unproven still. I think he's doing bits in the Serie A and he's done bits all year. Uh, so I think you can't say he's unproven. I just, the, the price is the thing for with Vlavic for me. And Calvert-Lewin, the injuries, of course, are concern as well. Completely agree. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Matt G says, I feel we need to let go of Vlavic. He's made it clear. He doesn't want us. He's the ex your friends tell you not to drunk call at 4 a.m. You're too good for a mate. You deserve better. That's a great comment and a great analogy, Matt. We've all been there. We've all been there. But, um, yeah, I, I do think that he's going to be difficult to get for sure. I, I don't really believe, Matt, the, um, the reports that said, you know, he, he was not answering Arsenal's phone calls and all that rubbish that was, was kind of going around a, a little while ago. But, He's going to be difficult to attain. And, and the big difficulty that Arsenal have now is obviously not being in the Champions League um, at this moment in time. What that means is you then have to, you can't sell the prospect of being in the Champions League now. It's not, 
an exchangeable currency, if you like. You have to sell the project and make people believe or feel as though the project is going to eventually, and in the short term, of course, with players like who are on an upward trajectory, you got to make them believe that in the short term, this project will get you to that point. You know, I don't. I think players, if they feel a club is the right fit, would join them, knowing that they might miss out on Champions League football for a season. When that becomes three seasons and four seasons and five seasons, that's the problem. Um, deflected mindset for Brizio Romano reported that Vlaovic isn't interested in coming to Arsenal. Yeah, look, he he has reported that he doesn't get every single thing right for Brizio Romano. Let's let's be honest um, about that, but. Like with many of the Italian clubs, I think if you go and knock on the door with a suitcase of money, hypothetically speaking, you can get your man. You really can. Um, such is the financial disparity between the two leagues. Uh, let's see what else you guys are saying before we move on to the Premier League's decision um, to move forward. Uh, Ostevo says, I'm not a believer in equality in football leagues. The Premier League is better than most leagues. I would say, Estevo, that the Premier League, though, is better because it is so much more financially powerful. That's why it's the spectacle it is. You know, there are some elements that are cultural, i.e., you know, the fact that we've always got packed stadiums and, and all of that appeal and passion that's here in the UK. That is obviously something that is natural, but and, and that is something that is, is brought to the table by the fans. But what I don't like is I don't like having certain leagues in Europe so much more powerful than others. Because it makes crap European competition. You know, you go into the Champions League and you feel like the English teams can beat anyone. Where's the buzz? Where's the magic? Where's the excitement around the Champions League? So it is better than most leagues, yes. But it's better than most leagues because it's got the money to make it better than most leagues. The clubs have got the financial power to go and pluck all the best players from everywhere and bring them here. And... I don't like that idea of one league being so head and shoulders above everybody else. It's essentially the Super League, which is what people were so up in arms about. But what now? Because our clubs are involved in it. We we can just turn a blind eye. I, football will never be completely equal financially, but it's UEFA and FIFA's responsibility to, to try and keep that playing field as level as re reasonably possible. That's how I see it. Because, as I say, I don't want to watch European competition where I know who's going to win every single time. Uh, let's see what we got. Um, Izzy says, uh, wrap this up quickly and put the kettle on for some hot tea. The flu took me out recently too. Yeah, man. You know what? It's it's always sod's law that I get like a cold or um, or something when I've got a really busy week of work. And sometimes it comes when you kind of slow down, take your foot off the gas a little bit. You you get it catches up to you and it gets you. And right now I'm I'm feeling that way. But it's a really busy week for me, and I just can't afford to be ill uh, and in bed with a lemsip. I've got to get on with it. I've got to get on with it. Right, uh, let's move on then from the whole striker talk. So we think that Arsenal's plans to bring in a striker may have been accelerated. That's according to Football London uh, off the back of what's happened with Aubameyang, which, by the way, is being reported today as something that Josh Kroenke was involved in, i.e. Josh Kroenke was part of the discussion about the disciplinary action that's been taken against Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, part of the discussion with regards to him being stripped of the captaincy. Now, a lot of us had said that or felt that this was solely Mikel Arteta's decision which 
I still think Mikel Arteta had the final say, but interesting if indeed Josh Kroenke, as is being reported today, played a part in this or took an active role in this. Because if he did, I'm not saying that I want Josh Kroenke involved in football matters, but it would signify that he is more involved and closer to the ground than he has been in the past. So, yeah, read of that what you will. But again, it's just a report. Um, I've not had it confirmed. I've not seen it from a without being disrespectful, overly reliable source. So we'll take that with a pinch of salt. Right, uh, let's move on then. Let's move on uh, to the decision taken by the Premier League to continue, despite calls for it to be suspended over the Christmas period due to the ongoing health crisis. A meeting was held between the Premier League shareholders this afternoon at 1pm and the decision has been taken to continue. Um, it's... Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's, it? I said it on the last show. You know, I think you've got to do all or nothing. I think you either stop it for everybody or you don't stop it at all. The kind of halfway house measures that we've seen, i.e. postponing games when there's been a few cases in clubs, etc., etc., it leads to the integrity of the competition being largely affected. So if this is the decision, then this is the decision and we get on with it and we move. Arsenal, of course, take on Sunderland and we'll be bringing you... Um, uh, a brief look ahead to that one uh, tomorrow morning, ahead of that game uh, tomorrow evening. I don't know. It's 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 a really kind of difficult um, decision to make. You know, it's it's also the other thing you've got to think about is, well, the government here in the UK are not acting to enforce a lockdown or to enforce further restrictions. So why is the onus on the Premier League to do it? Why do the Premier League have to take action? Um, if the government won't do it. And there are rumours here in the UK, for those of you that are maybe outside of it, that we're going to go into another lockdown after the after Christmas. Um, and if that's true, that will lead to fans not being allowed to attend, whether that will be completely or, you know, whether we'll have to have smaller crowds. I don't know yet. But the point is here is that although a lot of people feel that the Premier League should probably stop for a couple of weeks, myself included, I also recognise that in stopping the league now, it's not like stopping it in any other two weeks of the season because there is such a pileup of fixtures. You've gone from having to ordinarily, in a situation, say this had arisen in October, rescheduling two games per club, you're probably going to have to reschedule four and in some cases five, and that will cause chaos. So I understand the reluctance to do it. I really, really do. But I hope, and I don't know that they have, I hope the Premier League have set out a clear guideline as to what constitutes the postponement of a fixture so that we can maintain as much as possible the integrity of this competition. Because as I've said to you before, it feels like teams have an opportunity here to exploit what is going on at the moment, to buy themselves times when they've got time when they've got injuries, to buy themselves time between now and the transfer window to be able to strengthen and then play a greater proportion of their games with an improved side. It's hard. Um, it is a hard decision, but equally as as fans, and, and this sounds really selfish because the players are people as well, we want it to continue if everything else is going to be restricted. What the hell are we going to do with ourselves? Gives us something to look forward to. And I don't know about you guys, but the last time we were in lockdown, proper lockdown here in the UK, when there was no football, it was even harder um, mentally. That Having something to distract you was... Um, 
was, of course, uh, a lot better and a, and a real positive. But ultimately, these guys are not guinea pigs. You know, the players shouldn't be put in danger for me or your entertainment. So if football can continue in a, as safe as possible manner, then fine. But as I keep saying over the last few days, I just feel like over the last few weeks when the situation has been kind of slowly progressing, I've never once got the impression from any football club that the measures that need to be taken are being taken and are being carried out properly. Is it the system? Can you ever carry these measures out to a stricter degree? I mean, as I say, you could come with anybody's passport, uh, vaccine passport or COVID passport, whatever they call it. And, and you could get in the stadium. But people are not even looking at them. So it's it's kind of like, you know, you can look at them, but the, how do you know it's that person? If you want to keep digging, you can find faults in the system. But as I say, I don't know that it is safe to continue. I don't know that it's safe for fans. I don't know that it's safe for the players. I don't know that it's safe for anybody. Um, but equally, this is not going away anytime soon. So do we just fight for it or do we stop our lives again? And I hope that it blows over. It's it's tough, isn't it? Um, it's tough. It really is tough. I mean, look, look, there's a few people in the chat that keep saying every time that we come onto this subject, and it's a really relevant subject at the moment, which is why we discuss it. You know that I don't talk about COVID when we're not in a position where the Premier League is touch and go. But I, I do think, um, I do think, if you're sitting in the chat box and you're saying, "Oh, it's just a mild flu." I think that's insensitive. I really do. And I've got I've got to say my piece on this. Like, it's not a, a COVID debate, but I think it's massively insensitive to people who have lost loved ones. Or, you know, in, in, in our family's case, um, my wife's grandfather was in hospital on his last days and, and nobody could go visit him. And nobody got to spend any time with him because of COVID. And they got a phone call to say in the middle of the day that he's passed away with no warning, no... Imagine how that feels to not be able to sit and be with your relative in their last hours. Imagine losing a loved one and, and people say, oh, but it's always people with underlying health conditions. I don't give a shit. They're people that have died that otherwise wouldn't have died had they not contracted COVID-19. So you can think it's a mild flu. And in a lot of people's cases, it is. You can think it's not a serious thing. And to a lot of people, it isn't. But just be mindful of the wording when people are sitting there talking about their, their their worries and concerns about it. When you're going, oh, it's nothing. It's just a mild illness. Just get on with it. Because there are people that have lost. People have lost, um, you know, due to this virus, whether people want to admit that or not. You can, you know, you can roll off every conspiracy theory in the book, but COVID's killed people. And people that wouldn't have died otherwise have died because they've got COVID. Therefore, it's a killer. So let's not, um, you know, sorry, I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole on that. But it, it, it's, it's that, look, if you don't think that it's that serious and that's fine, that's that's up to you. But you can't dismiss people's concerns about it, especially when you're talking to people who have been through it and have lost people that they otherwise wouldn't have lost. It's massively insensitive. And that's my issue with the way the government have dealt with this is that, They've almost stuck two fingers up at a lot of people who have been through these difficult times without much regard for them. And, that, and that's that's the sadness. Um, but anyway, right. 
we're going to leave it there. We're not going to talk any more COVID. <laughs> we'll be back uh, tomorrow morning with some more content around, of course, the game against Sunderland in the EFL Cup. Arsenal takes the uh, League One side on in the EFL Cup quarter final. And um, yeah. Hopefully we book a place in the semis. Let's see. Uh, but we'll be back with some preview content around that. Don't forget to hit the like button if you haven't done so already. We've only got 64 likes on the board. Considering there's over 300 of you watching, that's not good enough. I probably lost a few uh, off the back of that COVID chat. But listen, I, I'm i on here because I give my opinions about Arsenal. But from time to time, when something else crosses over with the football, we got to talk about it. And and. I'm not saying that anybody's opinion on on the whole pandemic is invalid. I'm just saying be mindful of how blasé you're being in saying it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Just get on with it. When we're talking to people who have lost people, you know, I I had it and I wasn't that badly affected. I was ill for a few days. And, and so I could sit there and say, well, I was ill for a few days like I am when I get the flu. But I couldn't sit in a room with someone who's, who's crying, who's upset, who's sad, who's lost. Um somebody who was very, very dear to them off the back of this. I can't say just get on with it and ignore it, dismiss it. It's the way it is. But anyway, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new, and we'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.